You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best nut sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, and welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Show. Yes, we were circling the bases for a couple of years, but today we're back to the Roto-World Baseball Show, and honestly, I'm thrilled about it. Circling the bases always will be close to my heart, but uh, Roto-World just makes sense. There's Roto-World Football Show, there's Roto-World Basketball Show, now there's Roto-World Baseball Show. My name is DJ Short, and with me here once again is Eric Samolsky. This is our MLB Winter Meetings recap episode of the show. Now, going into this week, I was very excited. I was like, man, we're not going to have enough space for all of the moves that happen. Unfortunately, it was not as active as we would have liked. Now, I I think this was a very unique Winter Meetings, Eric, where uh, Shohei Otani, as we know, wanted to play everything kind of close to the vest. Uh, Yoshinobu uh, Yamamoto is uh, going through the posting process, doesn't necessarily have to rush through it. So I think this is kind of a unique offseason where last year a lot of the moves happened during winter meetings. This year, not so much. We still had quite a few moves, which we'll talk about, but Mm -hmm. a little quieter this week than I think a lot of people expected. Yeah, you know, people are waiting. You're waiting for the dominoes to to fall. So, um, you know, and I don't begrudge the guys who are making life-changing decisions from taking time to make their yeah. life-changing decisions. Um, it is, it is delaying some of these moves understandably because, you know, like we had reports today after, you know, a Eduardo Rodriguez signed, which we'll get to later that like, Oh, the Red Sox were interested in him, but they didn't want to make a move until they see what happens with Yamamoto and with Jordan Montgomery. And with, so like a lot of these teams just are in a holding pattern. Um, right. Though I will say, like, I, I do think the narrative about like blaming Shohei for this, or like, you know, there are some people that have been like calling him a diva be- because he's like keeping this close to the vest. I think it's like super off base um, and a little ridiculous to me. Like, also, I, you know, I we've been following baseball for a long time. Like, I remember when there were no rumors or, or leaks like we just found out guys signed with teams because they yeah. signed with teams like yeah. it has not always been this way where we've been we've had so much information at our fingertips whenever we want and we're getting all these rumors all the time and yeah. so if he wants to keep things private and you know visit the teams and do his thing and and not have everybody talking about him all the time like why shouldn't that be that why shouldn't that be how people do things without it all being all over the right. place. And then, you know, you, you factor in the cultural aspect too, where like, you know, 
in in Japan, like bringing all that attention to yourself and making something all about you is not necessarily something that is done um, or accepted in the way that that we do it. So I just think like let the man have his free agency, let him meet with his teams, let him ask them to keep it private. He he never like all these people that are saying he's going to punish teams if they make things public. Like yeah, you know he didn't like say he's going to go John Wick on somebody if they yeah. if they say that he visited them. Like way to go, Dave Roberts. Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. And you know what? If he doesn't sign with the Dodgers, people are going to blame Dave Roberts, and it's just oh, they will. It'll be hilarious if that yeah. actually happens. But it, it was interesting to see the contrast between the Blue Jays and the Dodgers and how they handled things because uh, the Blue Jays GM. It was almost like he was in a secret location, like when he was talking to reporters. Uh, and then when it came out, Ken Rosenthal, I think, reported that uh, Shohei Otani was visiting the Blue Jays facility in uh, Dunedin, Florida, like after the fact that was reported. Yeah. It wasn't revealed by the Blue Jays, but uh, Dave Roberts was just like, yeah, we met with him for a couple hours. It was good. <laughs> I, I loved the video because he pauses for a while before it, like yeah. in his head, he's like, should I? Uh, he goes, whatever. Yeah, we met with him. Yeah. It, was a, it was a good right. Yeah. Right. And Ron Washington, he was like, they asked him about it, about the chances of uh, Shohei Otani returning to the Angels. He's like, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. And then people are like, oh, he's staying with the Angels. But <laughs> I don't know if that's realistic or yeah. what. I'm guessing no, but who knows? Right. Also, like, <clears throat> you know, we talked about this on one of the shows at the end of the year, but like when it comes to leaks in particular, like it was a little tricky for Shohei at the end of this year because after he got hurt, there was that leak that, you know, the angels had told him to get an MRI before he yeah. hurt his arm and he didn't want to get one. And then everybody, that information came out. And then so people were like, oh, like why would he have refused an MRI? So it's also understandable for him to be like, if you can't, if you as an organization can't keep things private, that factors into my decision because I got dragged through the mud for something just a few months ago because somebody couldn't keep information private. So I, I right, yeah, and I would assume like uh, so after he had the surgery, uh, it was kind of vague in the description of what the surgery actually was, if I remember this correctly. <clears throat> but whoever's going to end up signing Shohei Otani, I'm sure they will review all the medicals and they'll have sure. a full. Uh, full idea what the surgery entailed. Was it uh, the brace procedure? Was it Tommy John? I don't even think we really even know the answer to that yet, which is pretty weird, right? Yeah, that's definitely, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, again, keeping it close to the vest. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody expects him to pitch next year anyway, so it doesn't really no. matter. You're signing him as a hitter next year and hopefully as a pitcher for 2025. Uh, like we said, Dodgers, Blue Jays, I think they're at the top of the list here. Uh, as finalist for his Shohei Otani. I guess you can't rule out the Angels just from mm -hmm. a, a comfort level perspective. Uh, there were some reports uh, in, I believe, over the past 24 hours that Shohei Otani might make his decision by Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I had heard at the end of, by the end of the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, it's weird to me that the Blue Jays are in contention for this. Um, I just never, I never considered it. Um, and there's no reason why it's like, you know, they're obviously a, they're a good franchise. They, they need him, uh, or they could use him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I was going to say if, if he wants to go to a team that has playoff success, maybe not, maybe not the blue Jays. Um, but I, I mean, it has kind of always felt like it might be the Dodgers from the jump. Um, yes. so it's not a surprise that they're 
that they're involved in the running here. I, I guess I would have thought that I would have hoped that another team would have made a, a realistic run, like, you know, whether it was the Giants or somebody to, to keep it interesting. Um, if he goes to the Blue Jays, great. Um, I think it's a really unique landing spot, um, and it would be pretty cool uh, to see that, you know, division with the up and coming Orioles and the always, you know, pretty feisty Rays and then, Sh- uh, you know, Soto and the Yankees now and then Shohei with the Blue Jays and just the Red Sox left somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere hanging around. Uh, I Yeah, well, I mean, I think from Shohei Otani's agent's perspective, yes, the Dodgers have been the favorites, but like the agent needs another team to be the threat yes. to play off of like maybe Shohei Otani is legitimately interested in the Blue Jays and maybe his Dodger, the Dodgers would be the first choice, but you still need another offer offer to play off of right. to get the number that he wants. So that's kind of what I think is happening. But again, it's been a little private pursuit here. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Yamamoto though. It's, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for this to play out. Mm-hmm. The speculation throughout the course of the week here has been Yamamoto, only 25 years old. Players like this never hit the open market at this age, really. So we're thinking maybe 10 years, 300 million. That's what I've been reading over the past couple of days. And it it's crazy because he's never pitched in the majors, but this is the day, of a, day and age where you can measure spin rates. You know yeah. how these pitches will generally translate. Yes, the ball's a little different. Um, you're not going to, you're going to pitch more often than you would in Japan where it's, a, you know, once a week, but generally you could say these skills will translate to the major. So I think ultimately it'll probably come down to Mets Yankees. Um, but I think that number isn't crazy. No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy. And like, what's <clears> the <throat> difference really of, of, you know, he's pitched in, in professional baseball, right? It's not like he's, you know, he's pitched in higher competition than he would have in the minors. Yeah. You've seen it firsthand. People have gone over. They've scouted. They've spoken to people who've scouted. They've scouted tape. They have all the data that you just talked about. So there, there's so much information. And we understand the quality of competition there now. We have a rough gauge of what level that, that competition is. So, no, he hasn't faced. I mean, he he did face MLB hitters in the World Baseball Classic. WBC, but, yeah. you know, he, he has not faced <clears throat> MLB competition consistently. But you have enough information at your fingertips to say, okay, what is the realistic outcome of, of what he's going to be? And isn't yeah. that all contracts, really? I mean, b- baseball is one of the only sports where we you get sometimes like five years of of, you know, MLB experience before somebody's getting a huge contract because of yeah. the way that they've manipulated, you know, these contracts where they, you know, have these guys, you know, calling prospects up after their super two deadline has passed. So they can get another year of control and blah, blah, blah. But like right. the vast majority of sports have to decide based on college information or minor league information whether they want to shell out lots of money to players. Yeah. So there's nothing new in the global sports argument with this. Um, and so, yeah, is it a risk? Sure. But like, you know, again, this type of player does not come around that often based on, you know, what we know he's capable of doing. We, the, a, a 97 mile an hour fastball is a 97 mile an hour fastball, a slider that moves the way, you know, uh, it moves. That's what it does. I mean, 
Maybe yeah. it gets hit a little more, but like this isn't a hitter making the transition and like, oh, can he catch up to this velocity? True. Like this is a pitcher. You see what his pitches do. Right. So Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, and David Stearns, uh, the new Mets president of baseball operations, they made a trip to Japan to to meet with Yamamoto last week. And his family. Uh, they, they had dinner together. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big deal. I mean, I think that tells you how much the Mets want him. Right. Number one. Uh, Steve Cohen has, you know, not more money than no about as much money as God. Uh, he spends three hundred million on a sculpture, you know, like every week probably. So, like, if he wants to get him, he he probably can. Uh, the Yankees are set to meet with Yamamoto next week, I believe Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is it's going to take a little bit more time to play out, but um, yeah, it should be very interesting to see the Mets and Yankees going up against each other. Uh, we'll get to more Yankee stuff here in a minute. Before we do, though. This holiday season, get the fantasy fan in your life, the exclusive Roto-World Draft Guide bundle featuring expert analytics, player insights, and season-long tools. Get all three of the draft guides for one low price. Go to NBCSports.com slash holiday bundle and use our special code here, HOLIDAY2023, at checkout to receive 25% off and a $10 Fanatics gift card. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're already in baseball draft guide season. We are currently getting our baseball magazine ready. Uh, We are hoping for lots of moves before our deadline, (laughs) Uh, which is right before the new year. So please, please, we need some more moves. We need Otani to sign. We need Yamamoto to sign. We need like 40 moves. Can we get 40 moves in like a week? That would be awesome. Sure. I think we can. Uh, (laughs) So let's get to... Before we move on, you saw that Jeff Passan went on um, uh, the Pat McAfee show today and said that he knows that the Mets really want him bad and that he thinks that Yamamoto wants to get paid and that Steve Cohen will do that. But he said, I wouldn't rule out the Dodgers, Red Sox and Cubs. Okay. Um, I find it interesting that he didn't mention the Yankees there because living in New York, a lot of Yankee fans think that they're like a shoe in. Oh um, yes. And, and they might still be, they might still yeah. be, but I just find it interesting that those were the four teams that he mentioned. Um, so maybe they're the front runners. Who knows? Yeah, I think Yankees fans have a big head right now. Uh, they think the evil empire is back. Uh, and that's because the Yankees acquired Juan Soto uh, this yes. week. And so Yankees fans should feel pretty awesome right now because that is a big deal. And it feels like Juan Soto is like, I wouldn't say like been forgotten, but like mm-hmm. this dude's on like a Hall of Fame track. He's only 25 years old. He had a really good year. This past season, he started out a little slow, but you know, hit 275, 410 on base percentage, 35 homers, 109 RBIs, uh, 97 runs scored. He's led the league in walks for three straight years. And if you're the Yankees, like they just 
like even a league average bat would be an upgrade over what yeah. they had last season. The Yankees were 24th in the league in OPS. Only the A's had a worse team batting average last year. The New York Yankees. So to get Juan Soto, put him in the middle of this lineup, yes, the, the price tag was was big. They gave up a lot of pitching depth here. Michael King, who you know came on really strong at the end of the season, looked like a rotation candidate. Drew Thorpe, uh, their best pitching prospect. Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez, who made some starts for the Yankees uh, this past season. So a lot of pitching depth to give up. But Juan Soto's, I mean... He's a yeah, generational it's depth, right? That's what you're yeah, I mean, it's you, depth. Yeah. You've said pitching depth, and I and that's totally valid. And a team like the Padres, who lost so many pitchers, need that depth. But when this was the initial trade offer, and it was rumored that the Yankees didn't want to give up these guys altogether, it was like, come on, it's Juan Soto. Like you're 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 moving these guys for Juan Soto because he immediately changes the potential fortunes of your team for this year immediately yeah and it's you know one year left you know via arbitration sure but you have garrett cole in his prime you don't want to waste that you have aaron judge in his prime like you're the new york yankees you got it you got to go for it and you have 90 I, I games of Giancarlo stanton yeah you know, maybe <laughs> uh <laughs> and glaber torres was pretty good this past yeah. year he, he had yeah. a pretty good year um you know maybe uh volpe takes a step forward this year I don't. I still, I still think it's a flawed team. Um, sure, Carlos Rodon. Like, what are you going to get? You know, the Yankees still have to do some things, and I don't think just signing Yamamoto is going to solve their issues. Like, the Yankees need volume. They need mm -hmm. they need two or three starting pitchers um, to be in a good position to to contend in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean, I think you get. Uh, oh, Mont. I was going to say about Montas, but Montas, I think, is now a free agent. Um, he is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right now, if you look at roster resource, they have Clayton Beater, um, who was a, a pretty solid prospect for them, uh, penciled in as their number five starter. The Yankees don't want that. No. Um, <clears throat> no. Clark Schmidt also in the rotation. Yankee fans might not want that at the start of the year. You know, he flashed at times. Um, but you know, if you're trying to make a run, uh, that's not ideal. And listen, the lineup, you know, you cannot knock judge Soto. You mentioned Torres, the upside of Volpe Austin Wells is probably their starting catcher next year. He's a, a highly regarded prospect, but you have, you know, what are you getting from DJ LeMayhew and Anthony Rizzo? Mm -hmm. Right, they're they're older guys who've battled injuries. What do you, what do you've got? What do you have with them? What is Verdugo going to give you? Yeah. Right, Verdugo's a, a pretty solid real life hitter. I know we talked yeah. about fantasy a lot on the show. A pretty solid real life hitter, but but what what is he gonna? What is he really gonna provide? How does how does his bat play in Yankee Stadium? Um, and then you know what are you getting from Stanton? How many at bats? How many you know whatever? There there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of potential upside. Um, yeah, I think the narrative that like anybody, any lefty hitter who gets sent to Yankee stadium, the immediate thing is like, Oh, well, short porch. So tons of home runs, mm. right? Like people were doing it with Verdugo on, on Tuesday night, yeah. right? Like mapping out how many home runs he was going to hit. And all of a sudden it's like, well, Soto hit 35. So he's going to hit, you know, 40. Yep. And it's entirely possible, but you know, Statcast, um, the MLB account put out a, a tweet 
basically with his overlay suggesting yeah. that where his batted balls were last year, he would have gained one home run at Yankee yeah. Stadium. I mean, if you've he would have watched, gained a lot to write and lost some in other places. Yeah, I mean, if you've watched Juan Soto throughout his career, he, like he uses the whole field. Look at his yes. spray chart. Like he's exactly. not, maybe he is like, hey, I'm going to pull the ball more this year. Maybe he Verdugo's could. the same way. I, I think Verdugo's maybe more likely to take advantage than, than Soto. Soto's just going to hit like Juan Soto hits and he hits the ball so hard that it's probably going to go out you know, good, good portion of the time, no matter where, he, where he hits the ball. But I think Verdugo, maybe it makes a little bit more sense for him to try to take yeah. advantage of it. Verdugo is like, you know, I, like you said, I, I, he's a pretty good real life player fantasy. Not so much. Uh, Verdugo probably should sit against lefties. Mm. Uh, but I think the dynamic that you like about a Verdugo is that he doesn't strike out. Like he makes contact. That's something the Yankees have lacked uh, in, yeah. in recent years. So I think he could be a pretty decent player. The the comp that I've seen thrown around is like maybe he can be like Melky Cabrera, Yankee, you know, throwback version, which I kind of dig. I like that comparison. Um, but you know, thinking about Soto for fantasy in 2024, does this move the needle for you at all? Uh, Soto from the Padres to the Yankees. Like, is he a first rounder now? So I'm still going to, I'm going to say no on does it move the needle. And I don't think, I think maybe a couple spots, right? right? Because this isn't Nationals Juan Soto. So the, the lineup context is not that much different than what we were drafting the lineup context to be last year. Now, I understand judges in that lineup and that he's better than any hitter on San Diego. But yeah. when you were drafting Juan Soto last year, you were drafting Juan Soto in a lineup that also had Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts. And so there was a depth to that lineup that I don't know that the Yankees lineup currently matches. Or if you do, if they, if you want to argue it, then it, it matches it. But I don't think it exceeds it. Now, that lineup didn't wasn't up to par. Yeah, but top-heavy. You know, he still had basically a hundred runs and a hundred RBIs. And I don't know that you really can project him for more than that just because he's with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's gonna steal more just because he's with the Yankees. And that's yeah, if gonna he gets depend 10, also, you're happy. If you get right, 10 and that's gonna depend on where he hits in the lineup. There's some people that are saying maybe he hits second and they move judge to third. Well, if Soto's hitting second and he's on base and judge is up, why are you stealing him? You're not going to let him run when Judge right. is hitting. You want him. You don't want him to run into outs. Um, you know. You already mentioned a little bit of the spray chart. Well, if you look at his Fangraphs page, Juan Soto has a pull rate above 39 percent once in his career. So he's not even a 40 percent pull hitter. Yeah. Juan Soto has a career fly ball rate under 33 mm-hmm. percent. He has a career ground ball rate of 49%. He had a 51% ground ball rate last year. In fact, he's been over 51% for three of the last four years. Now, yes, he could change his swing at at Yankee Stadium, and and he's a talented enough hitter to play to his park, but he's also a talented enough hitter, and we've seen him in the past be the hitter that says, I'm not changing how I hit because you want me to be more aggressive, because you don't want me to take walks. Like, I'm a potential Hall of Fame hitter because I do the things that I do. 
So I don't necessarily know that he's going to change his approach just because he's at Yankee Stadium. So if you take his 35 home runs, maybe you're penciling him in for somewhere between 35 and 40. And so he's maybe gets a slight bump from what he did before. So like all of that is is great. Um, And it's it is a fringe. It is certainly fringe first round pick, but you're not getting massive stolen base value. Um, And, you know, you're probably not getting a 350 hitter again. So I think you're fine with him in, in the high rounds, but I'm I'm not drastically valuing him different than I did before. Would you take uh, Juan Soto or Freddie Freeman? That's a really good question. Because um, Freeman doesn't run either, but you know he's going right. to have a better batting average. He probably won't hit as many home runs. And to me, that also becomes a question of like first base and outfield. Yeah. Um, right. And outfield does dry up a little bit faster than we have expected in the past. Um, and so I, I do think that's a really that's a really good question. And it would uh, I'm going to kick that can down the road until let's say let's say I would have said Freeman before this trade. And because I just went on a rant about how I'm not changing Soto's valuation too much. Yeah. Let's say I'll stick with with Freeman, but it's super close. Right. Yeah, I'll stick with Freeman probably um, mostly because I don't think you've ever regretted drafting Freddie Freeman. And uh, sure. yeah, I feel like it's been years for us to learn this lesson and maybe it's 2024 where he finally goes where he should, which is probably late first round um, most likely. So no, I think, I think uh, Soto will go a couple of picks earlier just on, I I've been saying like on inertia because he yeah. goes to the Yankees and there's going to be like hype and all that stuff. So he'll go Always. a couple spots higher than maybe he really should, mm-hmm. but you know, we're, you know, we are nitpicking, you know, uh, he's, is in a great spot to succeed in his walk yeah. year and then make tons and tons of money. Uh, all right. So what do you think of Michael King in San Diego? You know, we did get that. Uh, I believe it was eight starts down the stretch where he was mm-hmm. just fantastic. 188 ERA, 48 strikeouts, nine walks uh, in 38 and a third innings as, as he got that opportunity. I think it was like late August through the end of the regular season. I know the Padres will give him every opportunity to be in that rotation. Like you said, they lost a ton of starters to free agency. Joe Musgrove, you Darvish coming back from injury. They're going to need that depth. Um, but King, a guy who could pop in, in mixed leagues next year. Yeah, I, I will be out. Um, and probably just because of what this is going to do to the cost of yeah. Of getting Michael King, whether it's in you know snake drafts, auction drafts, whatever, um, I'm not out on him as a pitcher, um, yeah. but I I'm out on him at where what I think his cost will be, and there are a couple reasons for that. First of all, he was not the stats that he had at the end of last year are not what you should project for him going forward, yeah. right? I mean, he was absurd as a starter at the end of the year last year, um, and. Like if I'm looking right now, when you look at his splits as a starting pitcher, um, he had a 2.23 ERA, right? 51 strikeouts in 40 innings. He's not going to do that. I think we understand that, or I hope we understand that he's not a low twos ERA pitcher. Um, if you look at like what's under the hood, you know, the the sweeper is a really good pitch. Gets tons of swing and misses, swings and misses. Doesn't give up a lot of barrels. The four seam, at the end of the year when he was a starter, had a fifteen percent barrel rate allowed. 
Um, so he's kind of sinker sweeper. Um, the changeup, fine. Um, it's it's pretty good. He has really good control of it, um, kind of pinpoint control of it. And so I think that that gives him a, a depth of an arsenal where it gives him a third pitch where if that fastball is getting hit, he can go to the changeup. Um, my bigger concern on King is like all of the all of the pitches themselves grade out really well. And I think he has the arsenal to be a, a solid pitcher. He's battled multiple injuries. Um, there's a reason that the Yankees didn't want him to start for years, even though he had always kind of wanted to be a starter and they would sometimes give him a couple starts, but he never threw over 63 innings before this year. Um, he's fractured his elbow. Um, he had a stress reaction in his elbow. Also, these are multiple injuries to the, to his pitching elbow. Um, you know, he was on a pitch count when he was a starter. They didn't really want him to go above 80 pitches um, for a lot of those starts at the end because they were concerned about his health. He threw 104 innings last year. You know, if he was a prospect and threw 104 innings, you would pencil him in for like 130. Sure. And you would say, we're probably not going to get more than 130. So yeah. I, maybe you say the same thing for King. We're probably not going to get more than 130. And we yeah. don't know how he holds up as an MLB starter. So there is upside there. But there's a lot of risk, right, for somebody who is is going high in drafts right now. Like, here's here's a question I'll ask you. 130 innings of Michael King. Are you taking a shot on that? Or are you taking on a shot at 130 innings of Chris Sale? I'd take Chris Sale just because of the track record. Right. Know? And yeah. right now, he's Michael King is going way higher than Chris Sale in drafts. Yeah, yeah I would take Sale. Um, sure. And I, I probably lean Sale, too. Uh, and that's not because I, you know, I think that Michael King is bad. I just, I'll take the, and I don't think sale is the sale that we knew, you know, four sure. or five years ago, but I also don't think Michael King is a two, seven, five pitcher as a starter. Right. Uh, so let's hop to uh, the most significant starting pitcher signing of the week. Eduardo Rodriguez signs with the defending NL champion Diamondbacks. Uh Still weird to say that. Anyway, <laughs> Erod gets four years, eighty million from the Diamondbacks, uh, coming off a, a really good year, resurgent year for him. Uh, three point three zero ERA, had one hundred and forty three strikeouts, forty eight walks, and one hundred and fifty two and two thirds innings. Uh, missed a little bit of time, had a finger injury, a ruptured a pulley in his left index finger. Uh, so he ended up opting out of the end of his contract with the Tigers. Three years and forty-nine million end up being a good decision to get this four-year, eighty million-dollar deal with the Diamondbacks. There's a vesting option too, so he could end up making a hundred million over five years. Um, you know, if he continues to pitch well and uh, be healthy, so you look at this, this Diamondbacks rotation now, uh, which I I really like the top four: Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Erod, uh, Brandon Fought. Number five, we'll we'll see what happens there with Rodriguez though. Obviously, you like Comerica Park, good place to pitch. I mean, I would say the same same thing for Chase Field. Uh, you know, pretty decent uh, venue for pitching. I don't think it really changes anything drastically as far as expectations for next season. I'm not expecting a three three zero ERA again, um, right. but I'd say high threes probably pretty reasonable. Um, fantasy wise, I, I don't. You know, when I look when I think about Eduardo Rodriguez, I think about 
you know, your fourth, fifth starter on a mixed league staff. Um, where do you kind of think he fits in there? Yeah, that's that's where I'm. That's where I would value him too. Um, I, I certainly would not overrate what he did this year, the the end of season stats, and a lot of that is because he was great for the first two months. Yeah. Um, his ERA from June first on was four twenty four. Right um, after the he, finger injury. Right, yeah. he had a he had a twenty one percent strikeout rate. Um, from that time on, a one point two nine whip um and realistically like that's kind of who he's been right yeah 474 era in 2000 in 21 405 era in 2022 the strikeout rate has fallen since um boston he's kind of lost that change up over the last three years you know when he was in boston and people were like oh you know he might be something the change up was was his pitch um, and it, you know, it rebounded a little bit in the second half of the year while, while everything else was kind of cratering around it. Um, but he is a guy who way outpitched his, his peripherals, um, his, you know, defense independent ERA, which is a stat that I really like that basically tries to take luck out of ERA. What, what would happen on these pitches without, you know, the, just the performance of the defense. It was a two sixty four. DERA in the first half of the year and 409 in the second half. He gave up a 9% barrel rate in the second half of the year. The swinging strike rate fell. Um, so this is somebody where if you're valuing him as now he's in a much on a much better team and maybe you get something between a 3-9 and a 4-1 ERA um, and you're not hoping for strikeouts with him, right? You're maybe getting eight and a half strikeout per nine like if you value him at that that's still a solid pitcher for your team but if he's going in drafts like a three five era guy who's now pitching for a world series contender I, i'm a little hesitant so it's going to just depend on cost for me right and i think you're probably going to sit him when he pitches against the dodgers in course field i i think he's kind of the pitcher you're going to you're going to pick your spots for when it makes mm -hmm. the most sense to, to use uh, Erod. I, li I, I like him. I think if you remember a couple of years ago when he signed the deal with the Tigers, they signed him based on the advanced metrics that were saying that he deserved better results than what he got. Right. Now this offseason, he signed yeah. and his results were better than what the advanced stats said. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, he's and he's really never been bad. Like his yeah. 2021 season with the Red Sox was was bad. And that was the season you're talking about where the all the yeah. peripherals said he should have been better. But like he's been a solid major league pitcher since he came up with the Red Sox in 2015. And so I think you're you're not going to get anything that is detrimental. But I think at this point like he's going to be 31 years old. We know the pitcher he is. Yeah. Um and so I'm not expecting some jump and I don't think last year was a jump which I think some people might if you just look at the surface level stats. So a player who kind of surprised this season was actually non-tendered by the, the Tigers two years ago, Jamer Candelario. So he gets a three-year, $45 million deal with the Reds. When I saw that come across last night, I was like, oh, what? What now? Uh, <laughs> because it doesn't really feel like the Reds should be adding position players they should be subtracting them but yeah. i do think maybe now that they've signed candelario who is expected to split time between first base third base dh you use them all over the place this probably opens the door for a trade 
probably for a pitcher, which is definitely what the Reds need, need more than a position player. But I guess this is what gets them in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've thought that before, right? Like all last year, we were like, well, the Reds have so many position players and, you know, position player prospects. They should trade for starting pitching. Um, They haven't yet done it. They desperately need to do it. I hope they do it Um, because this is not a team. This team right now, like, again, we'll see how the lineup shakes out. But according to Roster Resource, this is a team that now has Christian Encarnacion Strand and Jake Fraley on the bench. And I don't think they deserve to be there. Um, I think that this might might spell the end for Jonathan India. Yeah. Um, you know, right now the roster resource has him as their starting DH, but I I think like that's that would be Encarnacion Strand spot, at least in my opinion. Um, whether a team wants to trade for India or not, who's graded out as a pretty poor defensive second baseman, you know, the the Reds may have to move a. You know, a Noel V. Marte or Ellie De La Cruz. They're not going to move Ellie De La Cruz, but you know what I mean. Like they might have to move Encarnacion Strand or Noel V. Marte or somebody like that. Um, so it, that'd be interesting to see. And then listen, Spencer Steer is now going to be the the starting left fielder. Yeah, he t- has talked about wanting to play left field. That's great. Um, I think it's kind of a bummer for Jake Fraley because I think he's done nothing but produce when given the opportunity. Um, and I know he gets hurt a lot, but I think he's, he was deserving of, you know, a starting spot or a strong side platoon spot. And I I don't know that he has that right now because I don't see them playing him in right field defensively over Will Benson. So with Candelario, uh, he hit 22 homers had 70 RBIs on in 140 games last season between the nationals and the Cubs. So all this conversation this week about Verdugo Soto, uh, left Rayfield Porch, Yankee Stadium. Look at Candelario's uh, uh, baseball savant page and the stat cast estimates. You can see if you know he played all his games in you know Cincinnati, San Francisco, whatever. So if you check it for Candelario, stat cast estimates he would have hit 30 home runs if he played every game at Great American Ballpark mm-hmm. last year. I don't know if that will happen because Candelario is like a, he's like a double sitter in my mind. That's what he is. And that's, has been the case throughout the course of his career. That's like the, the, that's the ceiling, right? I think he's probably more like 25, but still he gets a big bump here. Fantasy wise going to Cincinnati. The question is like, where does he go in drafts? Like how high is reasonable for him to be uh, moved up on, on draft boards is now he, is he a like sure thing corner infielder got to be drafted in every league type player? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think he needs to be drafted in every, in every league. Um, you know, unless you play in some, we're not talking about like a wacko six team league or something, but in <laughs> most, in most leagues that are standard practice, um, because listen to your point, like he made clear changes to his approach that led to some of that, you know, uh, you know, 22 home runs was a career high for him. He moved out of Comerica Park. He went to the Nationals at the start of the year, which is a more hitter-friendly park. His pull rate on the year jumped 6%. His fly ball rate went up. His ground ball rate dropped. Like, you know, he has never, he hasn't pulled the ball this much since 2019. I, I think when you see that kind of huge change, that suggests somebody making a conscious decision. 
Um, and he saw results from that. I would expect him to do the same thing in, in great American ballpark. Um, He's an you know eight percent barrel rate guy. He's not a huge launch angle guy. So you're not talking like you said. You're probably not talking about thirty, but like he at twenty two, like pencil him in for twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. Maybe instead of going seventy runs, seventy RBI, he goes eighty, eighty because he's in a better lineup. Or yeah. maybe you know you bump him up even more. He stole eight bases last year. The, Ren, the, the Reds run a little bit, so maybe he steals eight yep. again. Um, yep. I don't think you like pump him up that much. And he's a listen. He's you know a career two forty five hitter. So like his two fifty batting average from this year should be easy to replicate, if not get a little boost at a better park. So like yep. if you're telling me I get a two sixty hitter who hits twenty five home runs with one hundred and seventy runs plus RBIs and eight stolen bases, like that's helping me in every single category yeah and I, I and the supporting cast should be fun too like pretty right. much every spot in that lineup can be productive so i i would go beyond that to say like i would take him as my third baseman like if i was going to wait on third baseman um yeah. you know like last year i think he falls into that like you know everybody said oh second half of the year cabrian hayes broke out and he's got the steals and whatever it's like mm-hmm. and he's a fringe starter in like a 15 team league well like well, Jaime Candelario is in, in that argument. Like, if you're in a 15-team league and he's your starting third baseman, I think you're totally fine with that. Yeah, like uh, Alec Bohm's probably in early uh, mocks, probably going quite a bit higher, but I see them as somewhat similar. Yeah, for and I, I think the... I was going to say the power context is maybe a little better in Jaime Candelario, but I, I do think you're, you're, you're right. They're, they're fairly evenly matched yeah so we'll see i mean i'm sure because of the stadium context we're going to see candelario be a, a bit more popular as as time moves on here and justifiably so um so you remember the and we're shifting to nfl for a second here but the line for this patriots steelers game today was 30 points it's they've surpassed over. it in the first half it's there's I think it's 2110 right now, which is pretty hilarious. Um, live report from the Rotor Baseball show. Uh, and while we're on the topic of NFL, this Sunday night is a much more exciting matchup between MVP candidates and Super Bowl contenders when Jalen Hurts and the Eagles travel to Dallas for a battle with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. That should be. That game should be a blast. I can't wait to see that. Um, yeah, Bailey Zappi has three touchdown passes in the first half. Crazy. Against the Steelers defense. Yeah. Think wow. Thursday night football doesn't make sense. It, oh, it never will. It never <laughs> will. It's got that going for it. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Let's hop to the Orioles, who added a closer. Craig Kimbrell uh, signed a one-year, $13 million deal with the Orioles. We knew the Orioles were going to be on the lookout for um, some late-inning help. Of course, Felix Batista set to miss the entire 2024 season following Tommy John surgery. So it was on the priority list, along with getting another starting pitcher, which they should do. They've been open about uh, wanting to add some rotation depth. So uh, this addition of Kimbrel, they're saying from the outset, hey, he's our closer. He's closer. Yeah. Day one. Uh, Yanir Cano moving back into his setup role. We saw a little bit about what Cano could do in the closer role while Batista uh, was sidelined trying to make his way back. Cano is not like a guy who is going to miss bats mm-hmm. um, in mass. Like you're, you know, you're dominant closers these days, Diaz, Hader, etc. So you have a guy like Kimbrell who's done it for a really long time. Maybe not the pitcher he used to be. He's going to be 36 in May. So he's, he's getting up there. He got off to a rough start last season, if you remember, with the Phillies. But he was pretty good for about the final four and a half months or so. Uh, really good. So, hey, to me, it makes sense. It doesn't. I'm not overly excited about it. Um, certainly not the pitcher that Batista is, fantasy wise. But the Orioles are a really good team. I still think they they could do more. They should do more. But they're still poised to be a very good team. I think. I don't think Kimbrel's a top 10 closer. He's probably in that 15-ish range. I don't know. I might I think I might I might I might put him top 10. Really? Um I need to see how things shake out, obviously. Um you know, where do where do some of the other guys land? What what's, you know, whatever situations we get. But like Kimbrel was good last year. I mean, his velocity his velocity is on par with what we've seen in in years past. He was averaging 96. Um, with the four seam, uh, he saw uh, his home run rate go up because Philadelphia is not exactly a you know a pitcher's park. Uh, Baltimore is though, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think you could see that home run to five ball rate drop, and that you know that homer per nine that he had was the most he's had. It was actually the second highest rate of his career. Hmm. Um, his homer per five for homer per nine this year uh, behind uh, the 2019 season where he just imploded where everything oh, yeah. in 2019 was was a travesty um, and his strikeouts went up last year his swinging strike rate went up last year um, you know I, I just I think he still looked solid the swing strike rate was a, a over a two percent jump um, the four seam is still missing bats. That curveball had a 17% swinging strike rate. Like, I think if you take out 35 innings from 2019 and 2020, he's been just so dominant or just, you know, so effective for so long. And now he's going to a team that was the, you know, arguably the best team in the American League last year. Like, if if he save 23 games in a part-time role for the Phillies. Like I'll pencil him in for 30 easily with the Orioles. Um, I think there's a chance you get like 35 or more out of him. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I am, uh, I'm hard pressed to find nine guys that I feel more comfortable about than Craig Kimball. Yeah. I mean, all right, let's take a look. So Edwin Diaz is, is, for yes. some reason, is still number one, which is fine. I think come spring training, maybe you will be, but okay. Sure. 
in some of the early mocks, he's number one. Josh Hader, Emmanuel Classe, Camilo Duvall, uh, Joan Duran, Rysel Iglesias, David Bednar, Alexis Diaz, Jordan Romano. So that's where you're getting into it, right? So yeah. the David Bednar, Alexis Diaz range for me. Paul Seawald, Ryan Presley. Right. Yeah. Is like, okay, David Bednar, been really good, right? No knock on David Bednar. The team context is obviously going to be yeah. much worse. Um, and so you're like, am I really going to take, am I really going to take David Bednar over taking Craig Kimball, who's closing for the, for the cup, for the, sorry, the, I said the cups, but it closing for the, the he Orioles now, sure. like maybe, I mean, Bednar save, save 39 games. Um, yep. Do I think that's going to happen again? I, I don't know. Um, Alexis Diaz, 37 saves, 307 ERA, worse strikeout rate than um, Kimbrel, worse park than Kimbrel. I is is isn't that kind of on par? Like a 35 save closer with a low threes ERA and 12 K per nine. So I think the Orioles are probably a better team than the Reds. I think the that Baltimore is a better park to pitch in. So. I, I think that's kind of the range right now with him where I I feel comfortable slotting him into that that area. I mean, the, the, I think the fact is you can probably get Kimbrel 50 picks later than Diaz. Sure. Yeah. At, at, for, for As of right now, you can. As yeah. of right now. Yeah. Um, also, like, like Paul Sewold, I really, I'm a huge fan. Um, sorry, you know, I, I know it hurts you every time anybody who <laughs> just leaves the Mets. An X-Met. This becomes so good. Yeah, we're, um, we're going to talk about another X-Met in a minute. But like, again, Paul Seawold in a great year, 34 saves, 312 ERA, you know, K per nine under 12. Um, and that was in a career year. Yeah. So are you banking on Seawold to have another career year? And if he does, he basically matches what we think Kimbrell's going to do. So again, I'm not saying Kimball definitely over those guys. I'm saying that range, that tier of closers to me, what is that like seven, eight, nine, ten, kind of right. like uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is like there's going to be job security. Like they've already committed to him. Right. They clearly they think Cano is more of a, a setup type. Um, and if Kimball is just like, hey, you're our ninth inning guy, you're coming in, no runners on base, you know, get us three outs. Like that's that's probably going to be a pretty good spot for him. So uh, I like the move. I, I know some people have been critical about it, but I, I don't see much to be critical about. But as long as the Orioles get a, a starting pitcher, um, I think they're going to be in great shape going into next season. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the, uh, maybe the weirdest move of the week. So the the Mariners, basically a salary dump trade, um, Sending Marco Gonzalez's contract, Evan White's contract, and Jared Kelnick to the Braves. Get back just Jackson Kowar, who was a Royals prospect one time. Cole Phillips as well. This was just a pure salary dump. The Braves already moved Marco Gonzalez to the Pirates. Um, and they just they took the money to get Kelnick. Um, weird. Weird trade. In my mind, it's like you want to move that money so bad that you just give up on Jared Kelnick, who's still young. And I know things like haven't worked out, Mm -hmm. um, but he was better last year. 
Like he showed some signs of progress. He's not, he didn't, you know, he's not matching the hype of the, the Edwin Diaz trade and being the centerpiece and all that stuff. He still struck out a lot, but he was better and he's still super young. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand this trade at all. I don't get it from, I, I get the idea of saying, okay, he's not who he thought he was. Somebody's going to pay me for who he thought he was. I'll move him. I yeah. get that. I don't get he's not who we thought he was. Let's just get rid of him for nothing. Yep. Um, maybe they have a plan. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they have a plan. They're going to do something with that money. Who knows what it is? Um, and yeah, th- there were some improvements. I mean, you're talking about improving a strikeout rate from, from 33, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> from 33.7 to 31.7. But he, yeah. he improved his strikeout rate. He, he, you know, improved his walk rate. Um, his swinging strike rate dropped a little bit, even though it was still 14%. Uh, you know, the zone contact rate went up a lot. Um, he, he, I have a hard time thinking somebody who we've seen play at that high of a level. I know it was just the minors, but like has, is totally incapable of putting that together at the major league level. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe that's what's happening with like him and, and Joe Adele. There's there's too much swing and miss in their game, and at the major league level, it gets taken advantage of in a way that it doesn't in AAA. Um, but he's a 24 year old kid who put up a nine and a half percent barrel rate, who you know can play solid defense, has shown marginal gains, right? Continues to absolutely crush. Triple A. Whenever he's given the opportunity to do it, I think he's earned a couple more years. Um, and for his development sake and his fantasy value, obviously we're we're super happy for the move because I feel better about the Braves putting him in a context where he can he can make those changes and and develop in that yeah. way. The pressure is off. I guess for is sure. kind of the point. I mean. That lineup is is just so good from from top to bottom where he can just be a role player and he's not expected to to match that that hype. Be the number mm-hmm. one prospect and it's all on your shoulders. Um, he can grow and watch these other great players under their tutelage and make some progress here. Because, I mean, when I'm saying he made progress last year against breaking pitches in 2022... Jared Kelnick hit 057. 057, no, zero home runs. Last year, this is not a big improvement, but he hit 221. <laughs> slugging, slugging percentage was 385. I mean, like, that's not good, but it's like world's better. And he had like a he had like a 481 OPS against lefties in 2022. Last year he was pretty much equal righties versus left righties and lefties. It was like almost the same OPS. Yeah. To, I mean, I would take that as being a, a, you know, a tiny victory in terms of his development. Sure. I, I, I think to me, it's also, also, I mean, we're talking about like the, the under the hood stuff. I mean, he hit 253 as opposed to hitting 141. Um, yeah. That's a, a pretty sizable jump, you know? Right. Um, to me, it's also like if you look at some of the stuff in his approach. To me, it's somebody who's it's a it's a a huge mental component. Yeah. Right. 
he went from hitting 53% fly balls in 2022 to hitting 28% fly balls in 2023. Not just that, but in the minors in 2023, his fly ball rate was 19%. That is a that is a drastic approach change. Crazy. Yep. He went from pulling the ball 31% of the time in 2022 to pulling it 41% of the time in 2023. Um, in AAA, he sold out for a 60% pull rate, basically, 58%. So those are changes that are sizable enough from year to year where this is somebody, this is somebody who's trying to land on an approach. Yeah. Who's trying a young kid trying to land on an approach that works at a level that he has not yet been able to, you know, produce at probably pushing and stressing because he was the next big thing and it didn't happen. And so obviously yeah. he's putting pressure on him to figure out what works. So yeah. going to a team filled with hitters that are really, really, really good um, and can probably offer him insight. But also, as you mentioned, he doesn't have to press at all. Because even though the Mets were the team where that was his original, you know, team, like he was the prize for the Mariners. Yep. The Braves got him for nothing. People have written right. him off now. The Braves don't. The, he he doesn't have to perform up to what does he have to perform up to the standard of like who they got no, nothing back in that deal. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a fresh start for him. Um, like you said, the pressure's off. Vaughn Grissom, there was a little bit of time where uh, there was some speculation that Grissom could play some left field. Um, looks like that's going to be Kelnick's spot. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Poor Vaughn Grissom. I think he probably needs to get traded. He, he needs to change scenery here. I don't know if the Braves believe in him at this point. I think that's it's been clear for the past like nine months. He, we thought he'd be the starting shortstop sure. at a spring training. They put Orlando Arcia in there. Uh, Grissom, I think, only got like 50 at-bats all season. Maybe a change of scenery would be best for him at this point. Maybe. I mean, Arcia did hit 230 in the second half of the year. Oh, he was bad in the second Um, half. And listen, the Braves don't need him to be a a world beater with the bat. Um, He was an above-average defensive shortstop, and that's maybe all they want with all the hitters they have. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate for Vaughn Grissom. There was people um, you know, that I prospect writers that I follow that were re- really high on him, um, and maybe that is a, a move because you know Braves probably still need some starting pitching. Yeah, they do. Um, I know they have some guys that are injured and, and coming back, but you know, right now you know, you're set to have Bryce Elder and Oscar Yanoa in your starting rotation, and you might, you might want to Strengthen that up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll see what they do. I mean, uh, the the Braves were in on Aaron Nola before he resigned with the Phillies, so clearly the Braves want to get some rotation help. We'll see. I think you know Yamamoto and Otani landing where they're going to land. Uh, you know, well, that's going to open things up where we've haven't even heard a word about Blake Snell. Nothing. Right. Blake Snell, there are some teams that are interested in Giolito, but like yeah. nothing's happening there. Jordan Montgomery is another one where it's like, you know, people are trying to connect some dots, but that's gonna wait. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot of wait and see out here. Yeah. I and with the Mariners, you know, shedding the salary, like since the Yankees didn't get but since the Yankees got Juan Soto, maybe Cody Bellinger is they're going for maybe i think that'd be a great fit personally 
Do you see? Uh, do you see how the Mets answered all these Braves moves today? Uh, no. What did they do? They signed Jorge Lopez to a minor league contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I saw that right before the show. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, David Stern. David Stearns is just like. Well, he's following like the Brewers model. He's like he's getting all of these relievers, and he's hoping he can recreate the magic from. Milwaukee, where they make these little tweaks, and then suddenly they're they're awesome. Um, this, two years ago, Jorge Lopez was great. I know it was, was only good. I know it was literally the only good year of his career, but yeah. like he was great. He was. You can't, you can't take it away from him. Yeah. No. No. Most. You know. Maybe if if one or two of them hit, I'd be I'd be thrilled. Um, yeah. But that we 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 need bigger. We need we need to think bigger. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm hoping. We get a lot of activity in the coming days. If there's a Shohei Otani signing or Yabamoto, we'll have to do an emergency pod probably. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned. I'm not sure the next time we'll do a show, but we are called the Road to World Baseball Show. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Also, do yourself a favor. Check out the Road to World Basketball Show. Vaughn, Raphael, and Dan are doing a great job breaking down everything you need to know in the world of fantasy basketball. Follow us on Twitter or X if you don't already. Eric is at SamskyNYC. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the hot stove. We'll see you next time. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best nut sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.